Welcome everyone to the Grinded Podcast. Nipsey Hussle is going to bring us in just a little bit with Grinding All My Life. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle paid the price. Want a slice, got the roll of dice, that's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life. Look. It's time to hit this rail we call life and grind it. A few months ago, uh, the elders here at Partnership Christian Church is actually where we are meeting at uh, today in, in Jeff's semi-complete office. Because <laughs> uh, these what have you been here, what, three weeks now, four weeks? Uh, first of March. First of March. Was, yep, so, that, that well, that'd be so, six, six total. So, you, you know, you need a little, little decoration in here. Um, but... Uh, this is my home church, by the way, Partnership Christian Church, and uh, I think I told you I've been a while ago while we were talking before this started. I've been here for about four years, and so our elders have decided to go into a, in a new direction uh, with a, 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 and has hired a new senior. It's weird calling you a senior minister. You're younger yeah. than I am. Well, I say I like lead. Lead works well for me. A lead minister. There you go. Make me feel that, so old. Yeah, that, that sounds good. Lead minister. Uh, so today on the Grounded Podcast. I have this, and I, I'm calling you the not so new pastor because lead pastor because you've been here uh, in the past. And uh, this is Jeff Palmer, um, and he's uh, going to be doing an interview with me today. And I appreciate your time sure. uh, for this. Um, like I said a while ago, Jeff has attended here in the past when he was younger, and uh, many of the people who uh, attend here they already know you. Um, but the reason why I asked you for an interview today with uh, is just so. Uh, the people who listen to our podcast, they, they don't know you, mm-hmm. kind of like me. I've known you for just a few weeks now and um, learned just a little bit about you. Uh, so the the idea behind uh, this interview today is so people can get to know you uh, in a more intimate way and, and hopefully uh, love you, which I'm sure they will. Yeah. And and hopefully we can uh, you know talk some people into uh, showing up at Partnership Christian and, and worshiping with us because mm-hmm. we would love to have them for sure mm-hmm. and uh, get to know you and your family. So thank you for joining me today on the Grinded Podcast. Yeah. Um, the first question I want to ask you today is this: uh, How how long ago were you at Peace uh, at PCC or Partnership Christian, and what was your role when you were here? Sure. So whenever um, so I moved up to. Uh, Maryville in 2000. Um, this was so that would be 21 years ago, for the first Golly, time. Bum, <laughs> time flies. Uh, and back then, that was uh, that was before I was in full time ministry. I was actually I've had two careers. Uh, my first career was in aviation. So 12 year career in aviation began in the Air Force. I actually moved up here working a job in aviation as a um, aircraft engine technician, uh, just down the road from the church here. And at this t- at that time. PCC was BCC, yes. uh, Blunt Christian Blunt Church. Christian. Yeah. Yep, and uh, this was this was the first church, the only church that I ever attended in Maryville. And in fact, it was um, it was really my first church back from having left church for a long time um, as a young man. Um, grew up Presbyterian, um, a very traditional yeah. Presbyterian, and in that it was just. Um, I felt like there was I was a bit, you know, uh, what's the word, stifled 
I guess I felt like in that in that um, tradition had a lot of questions I couldn't get answered for me a lot of different doctrinal thoughts that I had that about the way we what we believed and what we what we said uh, couldn't get a lot of clear answers so I felt like you know what I'm just gonna step away for a while from church didn't really step away from my faith but uh, definitely from church and I always said that if there was a God if there was a, a place that I could find that would just teach the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and only teach me out of out of the Bible, out of the Scriptures, then I'll make that place my home. Right. So that's what I looked for 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 years and years. And then so when we moved to, when I moved to, to Maryville in 2000, um, I had pulled up Blunt Christian Church, and I was like, well, it's just got Christian in the name. They said it was a non-denominational, uh, independent Christian church. I had no idea what that meant. Oh, wow. um, no idea what the, anything about the Restoration Movement, anything like that. So, um, just came in, sat in on a service, um, and that was kind of the beginning of a long, a long relationship with me and the church. Right. Yeah. Now, did Did you play in the worship band when you were here before, or was I you did. a leader? Or? I did. I came. Uh, well, first coming along was just uh, you know just as an as an attendee. I've always been um, a musician. I started back in high school, learned how to play guitar. Would do a few things with the youth group whenever I was a kid. Um, but coming to BCC, they they were in that stage where they were moving from a traditional worship piano uh, kind of a not really a choir, but just uh, more of a hymn uh, and a piano and organ style of leader. And they the good were, old day. <laughs> they were wanting to incorporate <laughs> incorporate some uh, you know some other instruments. So um, you know, I was probably one of the first. I, I don't know if I can say that I was the first, but definitely one of the first um, alternative instruments in, in at Blunt Christian Church, bringing my guitar in and. Uh, singing alongside and playing alongside the guy that was leading yeah, the, cool. um, the hymns that, uh, on Sunday morning. If you was here 20 years ago, this, we've only been here 25 years, 25. right? So this building had that we're in, right, this building yeah. that we're in was pretty much brand new. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, the the second floor of it wasn't even complete. Oh, wow. So we didn't have the um, the certificate of occupation. Um, Occupancy for the second floor. All the the sprinkler systems wow. hadn't been in. The the, the fire um, department hadn't signed off on all of the. You Did know, you have the crime tape on the door? <laughs> Do not go upstairs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just off limits. So it was it was really really fresh, um, and so it was kind of neat to be on something you know in a in its really young stages. Um, and you know I think that it was it was the right time for me. It was the right time for for the church, um, and you know. To talk to talk about even you know, a richer history with partnership was that was really being taught about baptism here. I mean, in you know the the biblical uh, aspect of immersion is baptism, right. and it was because of the pastor who was leading at that time just was was willing to sit down and and have a face to face conversation about and answer my questions, and it wasn't a pushing me in the one way or the other, but it was more about just providing me with the information, let me pray about it, let me discern it myself. So it was actually here that I was immersed into Christ in, oh, wow. uh, in 2002, um, and from then the same pastor also encouraged me to, well, why don't you, you know, I see maybe that, you know, maybe there's a spark of uh, interest in your life for ministry, maybe you could you consider um, Johnson Bible College at the time. Yeah, now Johnson University. Now Johnson University. So uh, 
yeah, the, the pastor at the time was uh, Dr. David Reese, uh, also affectionately known as Doc. And Doc kind of took me under his wing, per se, and as kind of a friend, but kind of a mentor as yeah. well. Um, ended up being a, an, an advisor for me at the college. I had no idea he was a, he was a professor at the college. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, did, he didn't always lead with those credentials, and it was just kind of, I don't know, it was very humbling to be around a man like that, that just um, you, you knew that he loved you because of who you were, not because of what he was hoping he could get out of you. Right. Uh, so he, um, yeah, he encouraged me in, into that. I ended up attending Johnson, and then before my company moved me, uh, was there full time for a couple of years, and ended up have having to do quite a few courses correspondently after moving um, my company. Moving yeah, that, that that university's changed a little bit since you've been then. Quite, and a bit. I believe they have a campus in Florida now. They do. Okay. Yep, they do. Yeah. So, um, well, I guess you kind of answered the other question. How long have you been in ministry altogether? Mm-hmm. So, if that's when you around two thousands when you got your start, then it is. So. Um, I would say that's probably when I first had the the initial prompting. Uh, you know, I, I kind of went into ministry kicking and screaming because I had a really good career in aviation, and every time that I was making a stride towards leaving my career in aviation into full time ministry, um, Satan made it really difficult to make the decision. So I, I would get a promotion at work. I would, you know. I would either be promoted in the, my status or my leadership status or um, my salary. Right. I'd get moved into a different place uh, in the country. Um, and by the time that, and this is this is no kidding, by the time that I ended up walking away from uh, my career in aviation, I was living in Honolulu. Oh, mercy. All, uh, with a company-paid condo overlooking Waikiki Beach. With a company paid uh, Jeep Wrangler as a rental car. My wife, my my daughter would love you because <laughs> when I was telling you a while ago that yeah. she wants to move to the beach, is because we surfed while we were down there. And yeah. she, I mean, she picked it up just like that, and and we we looked at waves at Hawaii, and so, so she yeah. she would love you. <laughs> so it was uh, it was actually at the pinnacle of what I would have considered my and not on all yeah. of that and being remote, so not having a direct supervisor over me. It was kind of a you know. Work at your so own awesome. at your own pace type of thing, um, but and God while, said, Give while it Satan all up. was putting dangling these carrots in front of me, um, God was making just my spirit miserable for Him, and I would wake up in the middle of the night there in you know in paradise, just with cold sweats and just a conviction for leaving that work for the ministry. Yeah. And I remember I remember distinctly waking up one morning, which was what I considered my call into ministry. Um, waking up, I was a month from getting married for, for Andrew and I being married. Uh, we were, I was there in Hawaii, and I woke up, and the immediate question that was on my mind was, if you die tomorrow, what legacy have you left for me? This is almost God was speaking to me. What legacy have you left for me in your life? And I sat there and I sat on the edge of the bed and I'm going, you know what, I've, I've done a lot of things, but I really haven't really impacted anybody for eternity. Right. And that's going to change. And I phoned, I picked up the phone and I called back my supervisor who was here in, back in Maryville and I phoned in my two weeks notice. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so tough. That would be so tough. But, uh, but I'm sure... It was. I'm sure it was a hard decision, especially to have to give all that stuff up. But 
but since then, and since you made that decision, it, 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 you've been sowing seeds for the kingdom, and, and, and your rewards are far more greater on the other side mm-hmm. into eternity. Yeah. Um, well, tell us a little bit of, uh, about your family. Uh, you, you, you mentioned Indra, and uh, uh, before we started the, the interview, you told me a little bit about how you guys met. Um, of course, um, when I first met you, I called her Lindra. Sorry, Indra, <laughs> if you listen to this podcast, uh, but I do have your name right now, by the way. Uh, how, did, how did you guys meet? So uh, Indra and I have actually known each other since we were five. We had um, we actually we attended uh, kindergarten together. So in our families have known each other or had known each other for well since we were in grade school. Yeah. And um, you know Indra was uh, had a great career and still has a really uh, good career. She's a uh, had studied journalism at University of Georgia. Uh, Please tell me she's not a bulldog. Fan. Oh my goodness, she is. So oh. yeah. You wait, toss <laughs> So yeah, so um, it had done quite a bit of work uh, internationally with a lot of um, doing work, training international news or, news uh, agencies on doing news packages and things like that. Um, had traveled quite a bit extensively all over the world, and me, I had traveled a lot domestically in aviation. Um, happened at at one point, I was traveling back to Atlanta where, where we both were from, uh, just outside of Atlanta and, um, traveling back for, for Thanksgiving and Indra and I had reconnected and this is this. So a, uh, disclaimer, this is not an internet dating. <laughs> <laughs> I do not advocate internet dating. Uh, although I know it some, works for some people, mm-hmm. but, um, but we ended up had reconnected on MySpace, which was, you know, the first social media right. platform. And, um, you know, to be, you know, to be transparent, I was trying to not spend as much time with my family as I had, as my family had wanted, and mm-hmm. uh, had basically set up a date with Indra the day after Thanksgiving, so I'd have a reason to uh, to leave and not spend so much time with my sorry fam uh, with, my, with my family, and and uh, ended up. Uh, Andrew and I met for lunch, which turned into you know the afternoon together, which turned into dinner together, which turned into me going back to my parents' house. Uh, we're in back in last. I said, "Oh, by the way, I am going to stay tonight." I, you know, they're like, "What happened?" And I said, oh, I'll tell you later. <laughs> uh, so have, you have what three children? Or four. You have three. Three children. Three kids. Yeah, we have uh, a ten-year-old daughter, a six-year-old daughter, and a five-year-old son. Okay, and uh, do they? How do they? How do they feel about mom and dad being in ministry? You know, they've. Um, I, I don't know that they know any different. Yeah, we've. Um, our kids have been. We we've let them be exposed to kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly. But we've also allowed. Oh, there's nothing like that in church. What are you oh, talking well. about? <laughs> well, it's all in, good. Yeah, it's all roses. You know, in our and I know that. You had mentioned getting to this at one point, but you know we've done quite a bit of traveling across the country. So I mean, and our kids have. Um, so Andrew and I were from Atlanta. Our our oldest daughter was born in Dothan, Alabama, and then our two youngest were born in Shawnee, Kansas. So we're kind of a product of yeah. different parts of the country in the first place. And then living internationally, we we lived in New Zealand for four and a half years, um, and just those cultural experiences, I guess. Um, we we've always tried to make our faith our lifestyle. 
So it wasn't that, it was never that going to church was something that we just did on Sunday. Um, our faith in Christ is something that is, 20, is a 24 hour a day um, lifestyle that we have. So the way that we talk, the way that we pray, um, the way that we, we move about the day, it, it just, we've, Andrew and I have always wanted to be really intentional about that. Absolutely. So um, in that, they don't really see ministry as being seg- a segmented part of our life. They see it as ministry is just a natural out- it is life. mission right, yeah. of the outflow of our love for Christ. Yeah. And they see that in, in their own life as well. So it's um, in that, I think it's probably helped with some of their transition. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you mentioned that you're, you both are from Atlanta, even though she's a Georgia Bulldog. <laughs> Cannot wait to, to rag her about that Sunday because I will. <laughs> uh, you were uh, we, I can't remember was it after church? It was after something. I came out in the the foyer here and you were wearing your Atlanta Falcons shirt. Yeah. And you said you're a Braves fan. We talked a little bit about Atlanta Braves because I was a huge Braves fan <clears throat> back before the strike in '94, which they're not doing too good. You know that, right? Yeah. Hey, well they they, they won two. two yeah, they, they won two in a row. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um. What was I going to ask you? Um, you're a, a Falcons fan. You're a Braves fan. What about college? You don't. You, we already know about Indra. She's a <clears throat> bulldog. Yeah. Well, are you a bulldog too? <laughs> I'm not actually. I've, I, um, you know, it, it's it's all it's ironic that I've lived now in East Tennessee twice in my life now uh, because growing up, I mean, I'm telling you, from the time that I was probably my son's age at five years old, I've been a UT fan. And it was just, it's always been really bizarre to my family that how in the world, you know, you pick up, like, like, I love Tennessee. I love East Tennessee. Yeah. Um, I just, there's something about Big Orange that's just always stuck out to me. And um, it was, there's nobody else in my family that was a, a UT fan. I've just always been a volunteer. And even though, right, I mean, we literally, Andrew and I grew up probably 25 miles from Athens. So it was not a very popular place oh, to be a UT fan. <laughs> I bet you got barked at a lot. <laughs> yes, quite a bit. Um, and even Andrew and I now, we agree to disagree one weekend a year. And <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, I, that's what I was going to say. I would love to be a fly on the wall yeah. in, your, in your house when, when those two teams play. But here lately, it hadn't mattered because we haven't been very good for a long time. Yeah. But that's going to change. Yeah. We say that every year. That's right. We say that every year. But hopefully this is the year that we turn it around. Maybe a conversation for another. Yeah, with our new coach. <laughs> um, you, uh, we, we've talked a little bit about you. Um, you you've been playing guitar since you were in high school, you said, yeah. mm-hmm. since you were in school. Uh, and, and I was joking because um, um, John was out there in the hall with us, and he, he's a tailor guy. Yeah. I'm a Martin. You said you had a couple of tailors and you had a, 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 some Martins. Yeah. Um, what genre of music do you like the best? Yeah. Like, do you listen to like to to get in the zone or whatever? Yeah. I'm. Um, you know, it's 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 strange because I I really have a hard time really pinpointing a specific genre that because I truly do like all music. I mean, and some yeah. people will say that they'll say, well, I like all music, but this and I really don't. I, I like pretty much anything and everything. I mean, as long as there's not any like you know belligerent and foul <laughs> language. <laughs> not all music but, has that uh, nowadays. <laughs> um, but you know, a good musician that does that is just uh, that's a master of their craft is something that I'm 
that I'm always drawn to. Um, I'd have to say one one that stands out that I will probably gravitate to um, in any given day would be John Mayer. I, I, I just really enjoy his music. I love his songwriting, his playing. Um, he's just, and, and he's, say, he's sang so many songs, he's written so many songs that seem to be um, my life. And, and certain, I mean, even though he's a secular artist, right. I've, I've just, he's written so many songs that seem to really resonate with a lot of things in my life. Um, and he's an unbelievable guitar player. Had yeah. a chance to see him in Auckland, New Zealand. Oh, wow. Um, the About six months before we left. First time that I ever actually got to see him in concert, and I had to see him 10,000 miles away That's from crazy. home. And lo and behold, he actually opened that concert with How Great Thou Art. And I'm going... What in the world? I was just mind blown. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I did. I I, um, I would say genre wise, I I love blues. I'm I'm a big blues fan. I mean everything from you know good you know melt your face off blaring blues <laughs> to all the way back to the root stuff like Robert Johnson and uh, Howlin' Wolf and stuff. I mean I like the the old school. Um, so have you taken a walk down Bush Street? I have. Yeah. Yep. Uh, my first skateboard contest was on Bush Street. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, I, that, that's uh, and which hence has probably been um, my gravitation to the to the Martin guitar over time. So when I when I started in ministry, I led uh, music, led worship a lot. And Taylor's, uh, I I love. Don't get me wrong, I love the way a Taylor plays, and their uh, their electronics, their uh, expression system. You know, second to none. I mean, right. they had probably the best pickup system in it. And so for yeah, for nice leading, guitars. yeah, uh, for leading it through a system, you know, you, I just don't think you can beat them. But to me, when I started playing more of the of the blues, and, and I like folk, like even that modern folk uh, yeah. kind of roots music, and it just you know the ta- the, the the Martin just seems to have that that Americana kind of sound and the feel to it so I just uh, yeah. I don't know I just kind of I've always said the, the the Taylors are real tangy sounding and then the Martins are a little bit deeper yeah with the deeper tones yeah. which uh, that's what I like uh, this is by no means any kind of um, uh, advertisement for this guy but I just ran across this guy since you like music like that and their craft in, in, a, in a musician's craftsmanship check out Billy Strings oh yeah yeah I, you already yeah, you, know that he is oh man unbelievable he is awesome, yeah. and and I see where he gets it. I, I watched a concert last night with him and his dad, just mm-hmm. guitars, and and so I see. And he's been playing since he was a kid too. And he, yep. you know, I see where he gets his craft from, and it, it, he's just amazing. I'm, just, his, I'm like, how does he do that? Because I told you, yeah, you know, Donna's got me playing lead, and I don't right. like playing lead because my fingers just don't work. And I'm watching him, and I'm just my mouth is wide open. I'm drooling, and I'm like, oh, that's so so good. And for the second me, I can't remember the name of the venue, but there was um, on. Uh, public television they broadcast a concert of Billy Strings where he did it in, they, they have a venue that's inside of a cave that's just north of Chattanooga and I oh, can't wow. remember the name of the, of the venue but they basically take um, they've taken the inside of a cave and they've turned it into kind of an amphitheater hmm. and he did a he did a, uh, an, a concert in there and, and PBS uh, produced yeah, it and it's just phenomenal his band is and he is just they are. They're really, really good. I'm, I'm like you. I'm all over the place. I mean, I, when my son, my 22-year-old son, when he was three, I think, we went to Nashville to watch Riverdance. 
So, yeah. I mean, I, I'm all over the place. And, and <laughs> you know, I have a tattoo of Kurt Cobain and Elvis. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place when it comes to music. Um, uh, you know, I love worship music. But when I, I've been a skateboarder since I was a teenager. Yeah. And so I grew up on punk. Right. And so I like that fast, you know, yeah. you know, just in your face stuff. Right. So sometimes I struggle with, with worship music because yeah. it's just it's just a different, you know, it's so different. It's slow, and sometimes I was like, I just want to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Lord. <laughs> but we need some of this good, fast stuff. Yeah, we need some more power, more power chords. Yeah, uh... more power chords. Absolutely. <laughs> um, speaking of, of, of worship and, 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 and favorites, do you have a favorite Bible verse or a, a certain passage that you like to go to uh, often or maybe a, a character in, mm. in the Bible that you like? Yeah, I would say that um, probably one that that I've gravitated to uh, more often than not is, and actually is ended up being the namesake of the church we planted in New Zealand was um, John fifteen five, where Jesus says, "I'm the vine, you're the branches. Uh, he remains in me. Um, can you know can do anything? Uh, apart yeah. from me, you can do nothing. So you can bear much fruit." He says. So I just I've always seen that as um, you know as a I guess as a as a challenge to me to always make sure that I remain connected to the vine, uh, remain in Christ in, in everything that I do. Um, always, and the way that I've always said is I, I, I try to look through everything in life through the Jesus filter. So it's, uh, you know, filter my language through it, filter my actions through him um, and everything about him and, and recognizes that, you know, the f- more fruit can be produced or fruit can be produced um, um uh, through our remaining in Christ and having that life through Him, yeah. so that would probably be. I think that's and, and again, that was the reason why the church in New Zealand was named the Vine. Um, um, kind of side note on that: when I was praying about what to name the church in New Zealand that we planted, it was a, you know, I was like, you know, I really, this is Jesus's church. He's the he's the the lead pastor. God, what can I name this church and have Jesus in the name of it? And I, I kept writing down Church of Jesus Christ. I'm like, well, that's taken. You know, so I don't want anybody to get confused about uh, you know Church of Jesus Christ Latter Day Saints. So yeah. I was like, how can I put Jesus's name in, the, in this church? And and I was actually I was studying through the Book of John, and and when Jesus said, "I am the Vine," and then I just um, I equated Jesus. You saw that? Yeah, that's right. It's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, the angels. <laughs> Um, so Jesus and equals the vine. So when I feel like I say the vine community church, it's like almost like for me saying Jesus is community church. Yeah. How, 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 how did you get, uh, you and Indra end up in, in New Zealand and, and to get to start? Cause I mean, that, that must've been something awesome. First of all, to get to leave the state, cause you said you traveled and she traveled. So that, yeah. that's kind of nothing new to y'all, but to be able to go over there, you said you lived there what four and a half years, mm-hmm. five years, four and a half years, and and uh, to start a church there, how how did all that come about? Um, you know, it was a it was a a lot longer process than I thought it was going to be. Uh, not not because it was a struggle being really long, but it was just it was longer because I think of the um, just the the discernment that Indra and I had to have in our own hearts about it, uh, the conversation about even considering going to New Zealand and church planting started probably about uh, 10 or 11 years ago. 
Did you have a sponsor, or did you have to raise your own no, we, funds? We raised our, our own support. Yeah, and, and it was. But again, that was that was an aspect of it that was um, that had potential to be a really big hangup for me. Again, coming from a a secular corporate uh, mm-hmm. business world, you know, knowing that I had the skills and the vocation to to you know for all intents and purposes make my own money right. uh, to go in and and ask anybody for for anything to support us was really, really tough on, you know, my pride and, and, uh, and everything else. So, um, but no, we were in between a, we were in between a, a, a ministry, uh, coming out of a, a, a ministry that I was uh, serving a church in Dothan, Alabama. We were kind of wondering where God wanted to send us and, um, had, we ended up meeting a, a couple that had been doing some work in New Zealand at a missions conference and uh, they asked us to consider it. We were like, you know, that's just, I just don't know if this is the right time. At that time, we had, we only had our daughter, our one daughter, who was, I'm trying to think of how old she was at that time. She was probably, I don't know, 18 months old or so. And we're going, oh, you know, maybe we'll just wait until she's a little bit older. Well, you know, we kind of look back and laugh about it now because when we said no with one child and we ended up going with three. <laughs> <laughs> with three and one of them you never say no one of them was 18 months old excuse me was six weeks old oh mercy when we when we left so um and excuse me, the other one was 18 months old when we left so um you know it was again it was a progressive thing of i think god continuing to knock on the door of our heart for for new zealand we didn't have a, a vested interest in that country i mean i, I didn't know anybody there had never visited there before um i think it was more that god had specifically broke our heart for for those people and for that particular culture that what they what uh, theologians and and uh, sociologists would call a post-christian or post-modern culture which hmm. basically in layman's terms that means that They've seen it, done it, bought the T-shirt. Now we've moved on. Right. So they've, um, you know, the the, uh, um, the age of Christendom has has is in their past now. So they have they're past the church age. They're they're in the place of well, you know, we've already been in that part of time, and we've we've realized that it's really not for us. We've they've moved into a um, almost a soul solely secular worldview, uh, humanistic worldview yeah. in their culture. Um, and I think that, you know, and again, there was a lot of different aspects of that, but Indra's, um, specifically Indra's family's background, both, um, so her father was from Delhi, from India, her mother being American. And um, so there was always that, um, there was always that embracing of cultures and, and international, um, um, I guess, international peoples in her life, uh, that, that desire to be, um, to be connected with someone outside of, of yeah. the American culture. And for me too, I was, you know, I was also thinking, well, how does it, how does, how does, how do we reach people for Christ in beyond the church age, you know, where, going to church or church as a destination no longer fits in a culture. And it really, 
I found myself, even in my personal convictions, going back and rediscovering Christ as a, again, as a lifestyle, as a, as a, as a being, as a, a holistic transformation in our lives to where it doesn't necessarily be that we have to belong to what we consider in this, in the Western world, the institution yeah. of the church, yeah. but the church truly is the people, the people that are disciples of Jesus Christ. And in that, there are small factions of those disciples that can gather together and form a community of believers. And that's really what we had um, had sought to see happen in New Zealand, was that we were going for the ones and the twos. We weren't. We knew we couldn't um, be there. In fact, I was not convicted at all to go there and be a an, an advocate for um, for kind of drawing large numbers of people and evangelizing large numbers of people. Um, I looked at the way that Jesus had done his ministry in uh, allowing God to to um, to specify twelve men for Jesus for twelve men. Right. Uh, and that he poured his life into that small group of men. And from there, those men then turned out and, you know, they, they changed the world yeah. for Big forever. Um, so I saw that as, hey, maybe this is the model that God has truly wanted to see come to fruition in my life is to is to be willing to say, I'm okay with the ones and the twos and the, you know, the fives and the tens. Uh, rather than the 50s and the hundreds and the hundreds and 50s and um, and it was through that that you know we saw some unbelievable life change I mean not numerically it didn't tip the scales in a ridiculous uh, you know level but um, the the level of spiritual change in the individual lives you know in the you know 10 or 15 people was uh, was cataclysmic I mean there's a there's a man now that's leading the church there in New Zealand that um, that I baptized in uh, three years ago, and he's leading the church. And he's, and he's leading the church well, there. And, and he was he was atheist. Oh wow! Like completely, um, complete, complete atheist. Like no, did not had never owned a Bible. Did not know who Jesus was. That's amazing. Never, Never, you know, considered God. Never considered salvation, um, you know. And now he is. He, I, I truly witnessed the power of the Holy Spirit to transform a lot and and to give someone just um, supernatural wisdom. I mean, the the man has just you can tell it. I mean, the way that he discerns Scripture, you can tell that the um, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is on him in the way that he interprets, the way that he is able to speak and to. Um, oh man, he's just he's mature well beyond his his years that he spent um, journeying with Christ. So I mean, to witness that, it's um, and he's it, from that area. He he was actually from England. From England, yeah. He had moved. Uh, he and his family had moved to New Zealand from England, uh, which made it you know even all the more um, ironic because he even says himself. He goes, you know, the odds of. <laughs> Me moving from England to this little town north of Auckland, meeting Jeff and Indra from, you know, at the time we were from in Kansas City, from Kansas City to this little town in New Zealand, and for him to tell me about Jesus Christ, and now for me to be leading that church 
Divine appointment. Yeah, he was just like, there's no other explanation. There's no other explanation other than, you know, this God is sovereign and it had his hand in this in the whole day. Yeah. I've always said that I wish God would have required to, to go to heaven to go on a mission trip. Mm. Because, you know, we uh, all we know, especially people who's never left the States, this is all we know. Yeah. And, and church is just, We've Americanized the church, you know, and it's just, when you travel outside of the United States, it's just, it's it's just totally different. Yeah, you know, because it goes back to culture, like you were talking. Because I told you I'd been to Mexico, and uh, that I mean, it's just the culture and the people. You, you, matter of fact, when I was in when I was in Baba College, um, my professor, uh, uh, Urban, I can't remember the name of the class, is Urban something, but he, he was taught it was a missions class. And uh, he said he he would encourage us to if we were to, to go on a, uh, in the mission field to not do anything except learn the culture for the first two years. He said, "Don't even try to convert anybody yeah. for the first two years. You just learn culture because it's so. I mean, it's just so different than yeah. Because you know, we're, we're we're so number focused. Yeah. And and I I was guilty of that when I when I was pastoring for. Uh, the past 15, 20 years. Uh, I mean, it, it, I was so number fo- focused, and, it, and it's just that's really not even a part of it, mm. you know, if you think about it. So, yeah, we spent probably the first, I think, about the first 10 months, uh, we didn't do anything, if you would consider it ministry related. We, we tried to, um, to become involved in a church there that was already established and just to serve where we could, to, we, so we could be around. Uh, Kiwis, which New Zealanders, they call themselves Kiwis. So, so we can be around the Kiwi culture, around the other multi uh, multi ethnic groups that are there in 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 New Zealand, um, and again to learn. You know, you kind of enter. I think the most um, respectful way to enter a culture is to do it uh, like a child, where you go in. Uh, and you just ask questions because you just want to understand. Yeah. You don't try to go in and change anything. You don't try to go in and, you know, um, you know, say, well, this is just odd or this is weird or this is goofy. You know, it's it's only goofy to you because you haven't <laughs> experienced it before. Right. But it's not goofy to them. You know, I've, we had people that would visit us and they're like, man, they drive on the wrong side of the road here. It's like, <laughs> no, they drive on the right. They drive on the correct side of the road for New Zealand. Yeah. Said, so, you, you know, that would be in, awkward. In, in America, you drive on the right side of the road. But they would also say that this is it's backwards. You know, yeah. It's odd. It's not it's not it's not wrong. It's just opposite. It's just different. And I think from some of us, from our terminology and it's kind of shifting our brain a little bit into say, you know what? The 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 American way or, or our culture is not right, is not always right. It's just different. It's just what we have become accustomed to. Yeah. That way everything else looks a little bit, you know, it's, there's no, there's no, there's no right and wrong. It's a, this is what I'm accustomed to. This is different. And I need to either um, accept the way that is or you know, yeah, exactly. Ask questions and and be respectful and be accepting of different places where you are. Yeah, because like here we have, I mean, you can't go a block, a city block, without seeing a church building. Yeah, and you know it's just not that way. And and outside the country, when you go to, I mean, there could be one or two little churches. I mean, like the, the little village we went to in, in uh, Mexico, we went it was eight thousand feet up the uh, Sierra Madre Mountains. Mm. One village we visited didn't even have electricity. 
uh, the Baptist uh, uh, denomination had been there and built a church and it had like three little pews in it. And they happened to be having a church service when we were there and the, the preacher was up there with a guitar and there was one congregant in there, one lady. You know? it, it, it was just so different. But uh, yeah. um, speaking of, of, of ministry, uh, and you've been in ministry now, what, 20 years? Well, for maybe even a little longer. Mm. What do you do to keep your passion, your, your zeal? I mean, because I, I know... I. I I know we talked a little bit before we started the the uh, the podcast, this interview. Ministry is tough. Ministry is hard on your families, but it, it, it's very taxing on you as a, a lead pastor or as, you know, church planner. I mean, it, it, you we're human. We get tired, and you know, yeah. and we have all like Paul said when he was, you know, he's being persecuted and he's having shipwrecks. He's going through all this stuff, and then the last thing he says there in Corinthians is he says, and then on top of all that, I have to care for all these churches. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you do to, to keep going? Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that, again, the things that I've learned have probably come at the expense of of men and women that have done a poor job of keeping uh, keeping themselves healthy in the ministry. So, uh, in fact, a lot of the things that, that I do and don't do have come out of taking notes and seeing where other uh, men have you know, they've either failed or they have um, failed to put into into place some fail safes and some securities to uh, to keep themselves from burning out. So one of the things that I learned really early on was how to rest well, um, and that is something that you have to be very intentional about. That I have to be very intentional about. Um, you know. Ministry is one of those things where there's always out. I think about Jesus saying, "Look, the poor are always going to be here. You know, you're always going to have those people. There, there's and and this and that's the way it is. Ministry is like that. There's always going to be something to do, and you're never going to ever catch up. You're never going to get, you know, wake up in the morning and say, "Oh, I have nothing to do today." Yeah, that's not. Uh, this is not going to happen. But you know, I I feel like God had made the 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 created order for a reason. He had created Sabbath for a reason. Uh, the idea and the expectation of rest and self-care for a reason. Um, you know, because we are human. We wear out. We, you know, we have to have times that we disconnect. Um, I mean, Jesus himself even. even. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's, again, looking at Jesus as our model for everything. You know, I go, you know, if Jesus had to retreat and to fast and pray you know, for long periods of time and to rest, mm-hmm. then sure, if the Son of God, if God himself in the flesh had to do these things, then surely, Jeff, you know, a mere human is going to have to do it probably twice as much that, that as he did, uh, if, if not more. So, yeah, because you, you don't have angels coming and ministering right, to you. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, um, I try to, and there are seasons that, you know, that do tend to be busier than others. You know, we just come out of Easter. Um, you know, I found myself working seven days uh, that week of Easter, which is those times happen. But more often than not, um, I try to keep a at least a Sabbath day where I'm disconnected. I'm, I'm not going to answer my phone. I'm not going to answer text. Unless somebody, you know, is, is 911 in me that somebody's dying, um, I'm just disconnected. I'm being with my family. I'm going to provide undivided attention to to Indra and the kids, um, and you know to take time to vacation. 
take time to vacation, and it's okay to. Well, I thought church work was vacation, right? right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> being I mean, a preacher, and that it's like being a vacation because all right. you do is get up there on Sundays and preach. Yeah, it's okay <laughs> to take a holiday, you know. Um, um, and I mean, of course, you know as well, and in, in being in ministry yourself, you become quite often a sounding board for for anyone, for everyone, and everyone. Um, and you know, there has to be times that we can be able to release those things, release that we release it to the Lord in prayer. Yeah. But we also have avenues in which we can release those things to other um, trusted individuals, mentors, and um, and people in our life that are there to to help support us. So it's, I think it's, when you think about staying vibrant, it really is about, you know, staying rested and and not just, that's not working until you collapse and then realize that, oh, I need a couple of weeks off. You know, the idea was that there was a Sabbath every week. And that was the reason for that is because you, you create a, a rhythm of work and rest. And that way you've, you've, You've set yourself up for, as Paul called, the marathon and not the sprint. So, um, so yeah, I would say that that's probably that's probably been the thing that that has uh, been the most beneficial. Our goal with the, the Grinded Podcast and, and is is to encourage and to motivate people who are struggling because they they've they've been hit hard by life. They've been facing a, a life challenge, and you know a lot of times many people give up. You know, I told you about my my dad um, mm-hmm. committing suicide. Um, as a pastor being in ministry for a while, I'm sure that you've seen and heard many things. And uh, one thing I like to say is everybody has a story. Uh, in just the, the few minutes that we have left, uh, would you please just share a part of your story, something that you maybe a hard time that you've had in your life and how God has, has brought you through it just so that our audience could maybe find some inspiration or some encouragement from that? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, probably I think the one of the most recent um you know, struggles that we had in our life was our, our son, who's five now, uh, when he was just um, six weeks, he's probably two or three months old, and we had just moved to New Zealand, just, um, he acquired this terrible infection, a skin infection, uh, eczema, but it was a infected eczema. So he had basically a, a staph infection from head to toe, from the top of his head down to his, down to his feet. And being a baby, um, he couldn't control his itching. He couldn't control the um, the infection of it, um, and I think that probably was one of the one of the lowest times that that I can remember in the recent past, uh, in just in life, of whenever you have you have no control over the situation. Right. Um, you have no answers. You're not, uh, we, for us, we were navigating a new culture. We were navigating a new uh, medical system. Um, we were not. Sur- we were. You know. We were alienated from anyone that we knew and loved to help support us. And you know, we were kind of out there by ourselves. Um, you know, it was kind of us in the wilderness with the Lord. And. Um, that was that. That was probably one of the biggest challenges, and I, I can still. I think Indra and I both still have some scars from that first year, year and a half that we were in New Zealand. I mean, which if if our commitment to our mission in Christ had not had been as strong as it was, it would it could have curtailed our mission before uh, before it had matured. Um, 
in fact, I, I prayed regularly that God would just send us back because I, I just couldn't handle the pressure of no sleep, uh, screaming child, um, fatigue, um, of course, the depression and the, and the um, anxiety that goes along with that um, and, and not be able to find answers for your, for your suffering kid. So, um, yeah, that, that really took us to our knees in desperation. Um, but one another thing that it made us realize right from the start was that as we felt like we had been called to New Zealand to serve, we had to first we had to first accept that we needed to be served, and we needed to be served by complete strangers. So a church and a church family that we did not know that they did not know us, but they were still they were still obedient followers of Christ, surrounded us, foreigners, um, and they embraced our family. They embraced our children. Uh, they helped provide care for our daughters whenever we need to take our son to the doctor and, and we couldn't get any sleep. Um, they provided meals. They, um, you know, just times where we could just rest, where we could get some sleep, you know, because you would have to hold... Uh, hold him all the time to make sure that he wasn't itching and scratching. Yeah. Uh, so it was just, um, you know, I think that that really changed. I th- uh, that was another life lesson for us was about, you know, um, and it took me back again to, to Jesus with his disciples in the upper room and washing their feet. Uh, how difficult it must have been for the disciples to sit there and watch the Son of Man get on his hands and knees and wash their feet. Yeah, Peter and, said, you ain't washing me. Right. Yeah. And they're like, you know, and and I started to see that in real life, that in order to serve, you also have to recognize what it is like to be served. Um, so it was a it was a tough, I don't know why God felt like I needed to drop the pride. tough of lessons. Drop exactly, the pride. Exactly. Yeah, it's tough. You do. You do. You have to drop the pride. Yeah, I mean, and it, it humbles you. It, it, you know, and you have to be willing to accept willing to accept the service, willing to accept the gifts, um, and, and do it and, and offer praise to the Lord in the process. Yeah. It's very difficult when our, when our children are sick and cause our, our oldest son had epilepsy mm-hmm. and he had his first episode when he was five years old and he kept it till 12, he was 12 years old and he finally outgrew it. Wow. And you know, you see him going through those grandma seizures and you're like, Oh, you know, there's nothing you can do to help your child. It's, it's very difficult. And I'm sure there's, there's, there's people out in our audience who does have a sick child or they're in, they're in in a situation that's out of their control like you mentioned mm-hmm. you know it's out of our control we can't do anything about this so we're having really having to put our trust in the Lord so what I want to ask you to do if you would uh, as we close up this podcast this interview if you would just pray for our listeners who are, maybe have that kind of struggle going on in their home or, or or whatever just to encourage them in any kind of way you know that you feel led to do in, in your prayer certainly no, I'd be happy to Almighty God we know that you are sovereign we know that you are um, master over all things that you are the creator of all good things and lord that you have the greatest love and mercy and grace lord for us Um, and we we know lord that that you know through your son jesus christ and his experience and his uh his sufferings here on earth that you truly understand the suffering of humanity that you truly know 
um, the things that we are experiencing when we experience them. Lord, the pains and the struggles, the temptations, the um, the sicknesses, the illnesses. Lord, we know that you can um, that you can empathize with us because your Son Jesus Christ experienced those very things. So, Lord, I pray that that becomes a uh, just a small source of encouragement for us that you you don't um, you don't approach us out of a um, out of a, a relationship of of misunderstanding or or out of uh, just standing in the periphery, not really um, relating to our condition because you do. And I pray, Lord, that we we see that a God that can relate to us can also. Lord, that can also help us, that because of the, um, the wonderful work of your Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross, Lord, that you have conquered all things, all of those sicknesses, all those illnesses and those afflictions. Lord, I pray that, that we recognize that you do have the power to heal, that you have the power to save and we pray, Lord, that, that we leave those decisions, Lord, in your hands. Lord, we pray that those, um, those things that we offer up, Lord, as, as pleas, as petitions to you, Lord, that you hear them, that you hear the desires of our hearts, Lord, whenever we struggle. Lord, that you provide the comfort of your spirit, that you provide the peace from your spirit. And Lord, most especially that you provide the, the, um, the realization of the um, of the hope of the purpose that we have in Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that at all times you surround us with other loving brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, to encourage us whenever we struggle. Lord, to come by and to lend a helping hand to offer up a prayer to you, our Lord, on our behalf. Lord, I pray that, that you humble us to receive that help, that you humble us to receive those prayers, to receive those gifts, to receive those resources, Lord, that are provided to us in love and care. And Lord, when we do, I pray that we offer up those, um, those, gra- those prayers of gratitude to you. Lord, that we lift up praise to you for the way that you provide for us, for the way that you care for us through your people. And in all those ways, Lord, we know that worship is offered up to you as an offering as we, uh, as we see people loving and caring for those you created in your image, we know, Lord, that that is a spiritual act of worship to the one who created them. Lord, I pray for all people out there, Lord, that are struggling, that they recognize that all things have been overcome by Jesus Christ, that they recognize that there is hope and that there is purpose in him, that, that, and, and Lord, that you surround those that are hurting with people that will um, people that will comfort them, people that will help them, people that will surround them with the love of Christ. Lord, I pray for healing where healing is needed. We know that it can and it will be done in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord, as you will. And I pray, God, that most especially that we recognize that as we make Jesus Christ our true Lord in our lives, Lord, we have submitted our wants and our needs, Lord, to those that, that honor you through his life, his teaching, and his salvation through the blood of Christ. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Jeff, thank you for your time today. Appreciate you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Grind It Podcast today. You can send any questions or comments to grinditpodcast at gmail.com. 
Please join us next time, and when a challenge comes your way, just grind it. Been grinding all my life, sacrifice, hustle paid the price, want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life, all my life.